Thank you, praise team. Appreciate all you do to bring us into an attitude of worship this morning. Um, as we, we continue in the, the Ecclesia series, we're in week five, and I believe we have about four more weeks or five more weeks of, of this series, and I'm enjoying I hope you are. Uh, pastor always hopes that people enjoy the sermons as much as he does, but I tell you, I've been enjoying this series, and it's, it, it, it kind of takes you down memory lane, at least for me. I, I don't know about you folks, but it's taken me down memory lane of churches that I've uh, been privileged to be a part of over the course of my life, and, and I've been part of of many different kinds of churches over the years. Um, you folks tend to be a little bit more reserved as a church uh, than some churches. Bob's laughing because, uh, and, and some of you, you may not know that if this is the only church you ever, you may think this is how every church is, but you guys tend to be a little bit more reserved and a little bit more formal than, than some churches. I've been part of churches that weren't quite uh, so reserved and formal growing up. Uh, you, you may not be aware in the Nazarene movement, there are some churches that can be exciting uh, to be a part of. Uh, and, uh, and so I thought, you know, when I talk about that and running in the church, I think some of you think, oh, he is just making that up. Uh, and so I got a short clip. This is about two minutes of a church. I'm not making fun of this because I can tell you, I experienced this as a child. And, and I don't think they're making fun in the video. If you watch them, they're laughing themselves as they, as they worship. This, this is not making fun. So don't take it that way. Uh, but, but I just want you to kind of get a glimpse of how some different people worship. Foolish virgins and we'll find They have here been left behind church service like that, okay? I've been to a few church services like that. Now, I can't say that I've ever seen anybody dive into the baptistry like that, 
but, but the truth is our churches weren't fancy enough to have indoor baptistries, or they probably would have. So that's, that's kind of, when I talk about that, that that's, that's kind of how some folks will worship from time to time. You don't see it as much as you used to. I, I've been to every kind of church growing up. I, I've been to churches that were like that and camp meetings like that. Barbara, you've been to a few camp meetings like that, right? Uh, with a few, few sprinters. In the, I, I've been to band conductor church. You guys know what band conductor church is, right? You know, where it's you know, you turn to page 375 and, and band conductor. I, I've been to high church. Um, St. Paul's Church of the Nazarene in, in Kansas City. It was a seminarian church and it was high church. And boy, when they would sing And Can It Be at that church and songs like that, man, those people would really respond and worship. I, I was at Vandalia. And probably my favorite pastor of all time was my the pastor there because he was my brother, <laughs> and uh, I don't I, I don't know how to classify Vandalia. You know, it's just a great church, a great spirit. I was at Springdale Church of the Nazarene in 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 Cincinnati. Springdale, when I was there, I don't know what it's like now, but when I was at Springdale with Dr. Green, it was definitely high church. It, it was all dark suits on the platform, and I can and it wasn't Dr. Purdue. I can remember the one evangelist that came in the white suit and sat on the platform with all those dark suits. You could tell who the outsider was, but it was high church, big choir with orchestra and all those things. And then, and then Terry and I were at Tri-County Church in Nazarene, and, and Tri-County played both kinds of music, country and western. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's a Blues Brothers reference, if you're not familiar, but uh, I, so I can't take credit for it. But Tri-County was Southern Gospel. Uh, we had every Southern Gospel group you could have. They, they were gospel singers, and, 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 and where Dr. Green was and uh, would take the scripture and break it down, I uh, love Pastor Dan, but that's not how Pastor Dan preached. Uh, he, he was an old school kind of preacher and would just kind of let you have it. And, uh, and so from high church to, to what I would call lower church, and can I be honest, I love them all. Everyone I've loved and I've experienced the presence of God. And each of those churches formed something in me. That God was at work. See, the, God, the church is God's instrument to allow us to escape meism and live for something greater. And, 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 and you really, you, you can't escape this meism. You can't escape this worship of self unless you allow others to join you in the journey. And today we're going to talk about corporate worship. We're talking about worshiping together. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, and of course there's no Kleenexes up here. Somebody help a poor pastor out and see if you can find some somewhere before I get gross. Um, so what, what is worship? I don't know what it is. 
about this series. But I, I think one of the things, and this is kind of off topic, is as, as I'm going through this series, I'm remembering every church I've been part of. And I'm remembering what God has done in my life through the church. And it makes me aware that I wouldn't be the person I am without the church. You don't like me, blame my churches. <laughs> that God has worked miracles in my life through a body of people just like you. What is worship? Uh, in, in celebration of discipline, Richard Foster says this, singing, praying, praising all may lead to worship, but worship is more than any of them. In other words, all, all these things that we do on Sunday mornings where we sing and we read scripture and I preach and we pray, th those are all things that lead to worship. Worship is deeper than something that, that we sing. It's deeper than a preaching message. It's deeper than a prayer. See, see worship is our response to the love of the Father. That, that, that what we do in worship is we respond to God's love. And, and so worship, the object of worship, is always God the Father. Uh, in, in the scripture, you know, Jesus and God the Father, the Holy Trinity, in the scripture it says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in worship, we're acknowledging God only gives good gifts. And God gives every good gift that we experience. We, we acknowledge that no matter our circumstances, God is blessing us and aware of us. E even when we don't sense it in worship, we respond and say, God, I, I in faith know you love me and I'm responding to that love for me. Now, now we should have private worship times. Everyone in this room, I really believe that, that our corporate worship times are made better by our private worship times. That, that, that there's an importance of having moments where you worship God. And I want you to know, your pastor has private worship times. I, I don't say that, I'm not trying to... to to puff myself up, or it's not out of pride, but you need to know that your pastor privately seeks the face of God. And in my office, I have times where I hope nobody comes to the door because I'm crying and I'm worshiping God. I have times in my office, I haven't hiked for a long time, but I always loved hiking because God would break through on those private times in the car. Anybody ever worship in the car? You know, worship with your eyes open, please. <laughs> but often, I find opportunity to respond to the love of God. And, and, and He'll break through, and there's nothing else I can do but worship Him because He's worthy. I have scheduled times... <laughs> And I don't know about you, but sometimes the sweetest times are those unscheduled times. Those times where God will just break in in an unexpected way. Now, now this gathering, and this is the only big gathering we have like this, is called Sunday Morning Worship. 
uh, you know, Sunday morning worship gathering. We use celebration service. We, we use different language. But, but this, is, this is a worship service. It's a corporate worship service. And it's a time when we gather together as the people of God and we respond together to the love of God. And the entire time we're gathered in this room is an opportunity to worship. Sometimes we begin to think that worship is only singing. It's not. I mean, that, that, that's a significant part of it. And it's a significant historical part of the church gathered to worship. But, but it's more than singing. When we sing, that's worship. Or it's an opportunity to worship. When we read Scripture and we respond to Scripture... That is an opportunity to worship. When, when I preach, as an opportunity to worship. When we have prayer, it's an opportunity to worship. When we give, when we drop money in those back boxes on the wall, it's an opportunity to worship. When you schedule a time... Online to give, it is worship. I, I never want you to see giving, and we'll talk about giving more in a couple of weeks. I never want you to see giving as like paying dues or paying, you know, this is my ticket or, or, or this is what I owe. Giving is worship. And, and when you give, when you tithe, you're simply giving back a portion to God and acknowledging to Him that you are the giver of everything that I have. And I worship you through my giving. So, so why do we need corporate worship experiences? <laughs> why can't we just do it on our own? Why, why does the church gather? And, and you realize that what we do... <laughs> is what the church has done for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, there, there's some variations, but typically the church has gathered and they've sang and they've, they've heard from the word and they've received communion and they've given and they've prayed. This has been the historical history of the church in a corporate setting. I've got an article online in, on desiringgod.org and David Mathis gives five reasons and I'm going to go over these very quickly why the church worships in, in corporately. The first is awakening and, and, and he makes it real easy. Everything starts with an A. I love these guys that just use the same letter. It makes it easy for me. Others can awaken us to the goodness of God. So when we come into this place, we can get so caught up in our own circumstances, we can get so caught up in our own life that, that we stop seeing how good God is. And, and oftentimes, as we see others worship, as we see others praise, as we see others respond, it makes us aware that, that God is still active even in our lives. Second, it's assurance. <laughs> Isn't there something about the power of being with other people? the encouragement of other people, that, that, that somehow, and I think the scripture says, uh, a cord of, of one strand is easily broken, but a cord of three. <laughs> and I think implying that it's, it's God's the third cord, that, that when we're together with others, we, we can have this assurance that we don't have otherwise. And so as we gather and we worship together, it's a reminder that it's just not me that's filling these things, that, that others 
are responding as well. There's an advance that in corporate worship we're able to build our faith because we see others' faith and it, and it draws us. I have been drawn by the faith of other people. As I look around this room, I see individuals, many people in this room, who have caused me to grow in my faith because I see your faith. I see how you respond. And it forces me to grow in my faith. The fourth one is accepting another's leading. And this may be the hardest part. Um, there is formation in being led and being submitted to someone else doing the leading. Now, this series, it has flowed from this ideal that I believe the church is underachieving in that you rely too much on pastoral leadership. I, I firmly believe that the church in the next 20 years is going to have to become leaner and meaner <laughs> and less reliant on senior pastors and pastoral leadership and more equipped holy ones out in the world being pastors where you live. I, I firmly believe that. But when I say that, um, I affirm the call of God. I, I, I know that I know that I know that I have been called to be your pastor. And with that call comes responsibilities that all have to stand before God and say, this is the direction we go. And there is formation when you allow others to lead you in worship. I think of Chris and Amy, and I believe they have been called to lead worship. And I'll say this, some of you folks aren't around as many settings as I am. I'm around and see other worship leaders. On our district, probably Chris and Amy are probably in the top three. Sorry, I still probably have to give Jonathan a little bit of edge on you. And the guy at Napoleon is almost like Chris Tomlin. But other than that, on our district, these folks are the elite. And I watch Amy and Chris come in here and pray and struggle with what they're going to lead you in. And I believe they are called for this place and this time. And there is a submission that is owed because I believe that comes from God, not from me. You're blessed. You are blessed by your staff. Not this staff, but my associate staff. Mara and Chris and Amy are here because they love you and they love this church. In a moment, any of them could go anywhere else and get paid a lot more than we pay them. Josh and Chelsea are here because of their love for you. And so we are blessed with a staff that loves you and is extremely, extremely talented. Um, Pastor Bob, too. I'm sorry, you're not paid staff, so Pastor Bob's all, give Pastor, oh, I see, I feel bad. I feel guilty. I didn't. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> but, we're, but we're blessed with Pastor Bob. And 
you're blessed with your staff. And, and, and so there's a accepting and others leading in these areas is formation. And accentuated joy. Uh, this joy of, of being together and worshiping together. Several years ago, Spencer and I went to a Detroit Pistons game. And I hate the Pistons. I, 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 you know, I, but in that crowd with the other Pistons fan, guess what? We became Pistons fans. We were, oh, yeah, yeah. And we could care less about the team. How much more so when it's really something that's dear to you and something that's important to you and you've gathered with other people and you're celebrating together the goodness of God. Now, as, as we talk about this, the thing to, to, to understand is our worship gatherings are not intended to be passive experiences. Instead, this is a time for corporate response. That, that we respond together to the love of God. And, and there's some fairly common barriers to this. Um, you don't know my circumstances, Pastor. <laughs> you, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right. I don't. But, but you're not responding to me. You're, you're responding to the God who does know your circumstances and is doing everything he can to bring you into fellowship with him. Say, I can't sing. Who would say I can't sing, right? I can't sing. If, you st- if you're around me, you know I can't sing. But you know what I like about the scriptures? The, the scriptures does not say make a beautiful noise. It says make a joyful noise. Give me your best joyful noise. Come on. Oh, come on. (laughs) It's not about the beauty of your voice. It's about the joy of your heart. And so when we sing, it's not about, okay, God's not up in heaven going, oh man, that person really has a beautiful voice. I can't wait till they get in heaven. God's looking at us from the inside out. And it's not about the beauty of a voice. It's about the joy in your heart. Make a joyful noise. It's not my personality. And I understand. Folks, there's, you don't have to run and throw your coat at the pastor to be in worship. <laughs> That's why we don't wear coats in here. I'm afraid somebody will get blessed and do that. That's not my personality. I'm just passive. I'm laid back. And I think there's some truth in that. We all worship in different ways. But the only thing I'd say is this. Is that truly you? Or is that just an excuse not to respond? Um, I've known some people that have been pretty passive in church services because that's just how they worship. But let me tell you, Ohio State win the national championship. They're outside popping off fireworks, shooting guns in the air. Now, I don't want you to shoot guns in the air here. I guess I better clarify. Or fireworks. But is it really your personality? Or is it that you're afraid of what others might think. Yeah, I, I do that. Anybody else like that? That, you know, you, you think, oh man, what's people thinking? <laughs> what are people behind me thinking? I'm reminded of a story, and it's David and Micah. Micah is Saul's daughter, and David brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and while he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, he's stripped down to his skivvies, dancing before the Ark. 
I don't, nobody try that here, okay? There, there are some limits, but, but, but he's, you can dance, but not in your skivvies. And he's dancing before the ark, and when he comes back, Micah says, oh, the king made a fool of himself today in front of all of Israel. And David says, I will be more undignified than that for my God. See, 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 it isn't about what others will think. I don't want to be phony. Anybody ever thought that? Yeah, that, that goes through my mind at times. Am I being phony here? Why, why? You know, in the middle of worship, and I don't know why. Um, well, I'm thinking about the sermon. I'm thinking about some of my experience. I know why. And just, my hands went up. And I got to tell you, folks, I wasn't saying, okay, I'm going to raise my hands here. My hands went up because I was thinking about my God and how he breaks through in all sorts of circumstances. But, but I'm like you. I stand on what's other people thinking. See, it's not about what other people think. It's about what is in your heart. Here's a big one. I don't like the style. You know, worship's not about style. It's about response. Every once in a while, I'll get, I don't like the way you preach. Or I don't like our style of worship or music. And truthfully, there's good and bad in every generation of songs. You're never going to convince this pastor that there's not bad theology in old songs and good theology in old songs and bad theology in new songs and good theology in new songs. It has been the same from the beginning. There's deep old songs and there's shallow old songs. There's deep new songs and there's shallow new songs. It's just the way it is. My background, you've seen a little bit of my background, I told you. I've been in low church. I've been in high church. I've been in churches where they're running like maniacs, where you better just keep your feet in the aisles, out of the aisles. I've been in heavily hymned churches. I've been in, and, and I know you folks think this is, some think this is highly contemporary. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've been in highly contemporary settings where it was really loud, where smoke and haze was everywhere. I've been in quiet liturgical services. I've been in country services. I've seen the guardians here. Other gospel groups and other churches. I've seen for today, which is a screamo rock Christian band in a non-Christian setting with non-Christian artists. I've been in Guatemala and Argentina where I didn't understand anything they had to say. Some of the songs I could recognize the tune, some of them I couldn't. I've been in Guatemala where it was so loud. You think it's loud here. You have no idea. It was so loud. They played it so loud because they wanted the surrounding community to hear. I have felt God's presence 
and responded in all of these settings. So, I, I got to tell you, some, sometimes I'll have people who come to me and say, well, this or that, and, and I may not give you the response that you want. And the truth is, I don't understand. Because my response to God is bigger than a melody. It's bigger than the instruments. I am responding to God. And it could be Him. It could be loud. It could be quiet. God is worthy of my response. And you see what you want to see. So a pastor, if we could worship with hymns, why don't you? Can I give you three reasons? History. Worship has always progressed. Always, ever. And it's always been a controversy or a debate in the church. Worship has always progressed. There was a time when people said to bring an organ into the church was sin. You realize that, right? And so worship has always progressed. And right now we're right stuck right in the middle of where most churches are. You know, there's songs written in every age, every generation. And, and I just got to tell you, I don't know what decade you stop. Culture. Last week I talked about style and, 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 and how many of the songs that we sing are on the radio. And the instruments and the form are consistent with today's mystic music. And, and, and when people come in here, it will not be a foreign experience, but it will sound just a lot like listening to the radio with Christian words. You realize. Now, now some folks will say that the Wesleys took bar songs and made them into gospel songs. There, there's no truth to that. That, that's not what they did. There's no evidence in any of their notes that they did that. And, and so if you've heard that, that's probably not true. But what every hymn writer throughout eight, the ages has done is taken common melodies and melodies that people were familiar with and used it for the music that they're writing. My, um, my sister's uh, mother-in-law would always ask my brother to play Danny Boy. Oh, Danny Boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. What's that, folks? He looked beyond my fault and saw my needs. See, for generations, every songwriter has taken the melodies of the day, the familiar melodies, not just bar songs, but the songs that people can understand the melody, and they put Christian music to it. And it becomes the hymns of that day. Next generation. When I see our kids respond to worship, that resonates with me. It gives me joy. I, I think it was our evangelist that said that we do these things not for ourselves, but for others, that we're, we're inviting others in and we want to draw people in. And the, the truth is, folks, you could sing anything you want to sing, and my faith is set. I, I, I'm not dependent on the hymnology to bring me into the kingdom. My faith is set. And my hope and my joy is to set a next generation's faith so they begin to understand that this place is for them and they can worship. Now, I would say this. Be careful of the language we use. You know, I hear language that 
I'll be honest, as the father of kids that lead worship, that have a hunger for God, that I've seen them playing contemporary songs. I've seen my drummer son banging on those drums and then all of a sudden, both hands up and he's worshiping God. Be careful the language you use. Because when you denigrate, when you disparage one person's glory days, it's the same as them disparaging your glory days. I would never say an age in the church, oh, God's presence really wasn't there, or it was just a show. I would never say that about any generation or style of music. For one thing, that's for God to judge, not me. And when we say those things, we can cause those who are coming behind us to begin to question the experience they're having. I'm going to close with a question. Do you control your attitude or does your attitude control you? Can, can we acknowledge that it could be either way? <laughs> uh, our attitudes have an effect on our circumstances. Pastor Dan would always use the phrase stinking thinking. <laughs> I think he used it because it rhymes and you know, it's a fun. Say it, say it with me, stinking thinking. <laughs> stinking thinking leaves the stinking lives. Uh, It'll have a negative effect on your life. And worship is a choice that affects my attitude and my circumstances. Um, there, there's a familiar story, and, and probably anytime you talk about praise and worship, this is a passage used it's in Acts 16, and Paul and Silas are in jail. And it says, but about midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's, say that with me, everyone's chains were unfastened. You know, I, I threw this in. I knew I was going to talk about this as I closed this sermon. And, and can I be honest enough to say to you, I had never seen everyone's chains were unfastened. Your willingness to worship not only affects you, but it affects those around you. And when we refuse, for any of these reasons that I've stated, you affect not only yourself, but you may be affecting those people who are in chains all around you. So what's the application today? Well, we're not going to sing. <laughs> we're not going to close with singing. We're going to close with prayer. And we're not going to emphasize worship experience, but we're going to emphasize work and witness. In your flyer, there's a bulletin or there's an insert on work and witness. And I want you to see this. I want you to, to be prayerful about this. I think we've got 10 or 12 that are committed. I'd like to get 15 to 20. And so if you have any interest, I, I would encourage you to, to, to let us know pretty quickly. Uh, November 3rd, we're going to have our first um, $100 in. We're hoping that we can do this trip for about $14.20, somewhere in that range, maybe less. If we can get tickets down, you will not regret going on this work and witness trip. 
Uh, it, 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 will, it will be life-changing. It's a corporate opportunity to serve. And so in your, fly, in your flyer, you see that. Please let us know here in the next couple of weeks if, if you're interested in, in doing that. But we're going to close in prayer. Prayer is an opportunity to respond. <laughs> um, it's not meant to be passive. It's not about listening to Pastor Bob as he closes us in prayer. Um, one of these churches that, that, that was pretty, pretty um, what word am I looking for? Wild. Is that, is that mild enough? That, that, that was pretty aggressive in their worship was Laurel First Church of the Nazarene on the Indianapolis district. And Barbara Nelson's been on the Indianapolis district a lot. He's been at Canby, and you know, you, I'm sure he's seen a lot of this stuff. But Laurel First was one of those churches that it, it was old school, and it was primarily uh, lady-led. Uh, in, in many churches, you know, there are not a lot of men, just, just women. And, and it was a church that was real responsive. If a man would come into the church, if you were an able-bodied man, guess what? You would get to lead in prayer. <laughs> and so I, I'll never forget the time I came in. I was probably 20, 21. And it was a church about you know, 25 or 30. And, and it sounded louder than 25 or 30, I'll tell you that. And, and so I came in, and it's in the service, and they go, Brother Paul, would you close us in prayer? You know, it's just one of those awkward moments where you, don't, you can't say, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, but the good thing about this church was they prayed with you. Have you ever been to a church that prayed with you? Where everybody's lifting their voices? And, and, and all I had to say was, dear God, and amen. Be, because they were so loud in their prayers that you didn't have to say anything else. Now, now I'm not saying that we have to do that. I mean, I, I, understand, I understand our culture may not be that culture, but if God leads you that way, it's okay. It's okay to join Pastor Bob in prayer. And so I'm going to have him come. He's going to close us in prayer. And um, I'm going to say just a quick prayer before you close us in prayer. Is that okay? It's going to be quick. All heads bowed. Lord, if this sermon was for me, help me to see it. Lord, if this sermon was someone else, help me to, to just keep going forward. But help me to be true to your voice. Pastor Bob, come and close us.